0: Welcome to the Hard Way with Anvil T and D, where three Australian veterans cover everything physical and mental health, business, education, and life lessons learned the hard way. Each episode, the Anvil team challenged themselves, their guests, and their listeners to ask the hard questions, acknowledge their biases, broaden their perspective, and have a laugh along the way. Now, here are your hosts, Dan, Marshall, and Nathan. Beware the dark humor and enjoy the podcast.
1: Yeah, so we're in our Hawaiian shirts for Hawaiian Shirt Friday here at the gym, Um, and today we are doing our uh, last article podcast. Yeah. Not of all time, uh, but for the ones that we have up on the website, uh, we are through all about 40-something articles now. Yeah. So uh, this is the final podcast. I've still got two more articles in the training series to write for the uh, end of this year. Uh, the first one of those will be out probably right at the start of November, and then the very last one will be out on uh, the start of December, so a couple of months apart. Um, apart from that, I dare say we won't have too many more podcasts um, you know, happening too quickly. Uh, we might try and get some guests in. I know we've got a couple of people coming in tomorrow to do <coughs> some podcasts. Some of the affiliates are coming in. Uh, they'll be doing some podcasts with us. Uh, we will release them as soon as they're edited. Um, Get a different, slightly different perspective than the three dudes you have come to know and love. (laughs) Um, But today we are talking about the bench press.
2: This, what's wrong?
1: I did it again. I haven't done
3: Facebook and I'm like, why is the camera like that? And then I'm like, why don't we have Hawaiian shirts on in this? (laughs)
2: Okay. Let me refresh. Um, this is the longest article it yet, is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I honestly doubt that we will say as many words.
1: There's no way.
2: As there are in the actual <laughs> article.
1: No. This one is. Um, it's fairly lengthy. Um, I just I refused to to cut it any shorter than this I is like to. Marshall Unchained. <laughs> like if
2: Quentin Tarantino just directed <laughs> the movie and you do whatever you wanted. Yeah. That would be this article.
1: Um, Yeah, and I mean, it's about um, bench press, there's a lot more to be said than just what I've said about this particular lift, there are books written on it. Um, This is just, I guess, a a fairly long summary of everything that I have uh, learned about this lift, uh, the things that I try to emphasize when I train people to do the bench press, um, and I guess what I believe are the most important factors to benching a shitload of weight, if that's something that you have ever aspired to do. Um, yeah, so my last, I start off by saying that the last three articles in the training series are on the bench press, the squat and the deadlift. So the other two aren't out yet, but um, they are known as the big three lifts or the power lifts. They are the lifts that if you are a power lifter, you will do Uh, On a day of competition at a meet, Uh, generally you will squat in the morning, you'll bench press after that, and then deadlift uh, to finish off the day. Um, Anyone that's ever competed in a powerlifting meet would know that it is fairly exhausting to do all three lifts, uh, three attempts, and each of those attempts are pretty close to the maximum weight you've ever lifted in your life. Uh, so that's that's a pretty intense day of lifting, um, and it is well and truly a test of what a lifter is is potentially capable of. Um, and so I thought I'd write an article on each of those lifts because powerlifting is something that I've become quite passionate about. Um, I really enjoy the way they train. I really enjoy uh, just lifting really heavy things uh, for one rep because I get quite tired after that, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I want to go home. Yeah, <laughs> Um Um, I also start by saying that, um, you know, the bench press is and always has been for me uh, the lift that I have struggled with the most. Uh, This is one that, uh, you know, I believe that it is the most technical of the three lifts. Um, Whether that is true for you or not, it doesn't matter. Um, You know, some people will naturally find the squat the hardest and some people will just really struggle with the deadlift. And then there are people like me who just find the bench the hardest lift. Um, But looking from it as, I guess, objectively as possible, um, the bench press has a lot going on, um, potentially a lot more than the squat and the deadlift because uh, with the squat, you might be able to move a lot of weight. There are a lot of people out there that can squat, um, you know, Absolute shitloads. Uh, But that weight is sitting on their back. Uh, It is fairly well supported through their core. Uh, You know, these professional lifters can brace in a way that they are, you know, almost completely rigid. Um, There's a lot of uh, supporting muscle there. And then it's through the legs, which, you know, some of the biggest muscle groups in the body. They're able to recruit their posterior chain um, and they can manipulate their body, uh, use stretch reflex in a way to move enormous amounts of weight. Uh, With the deadlift, um, you know, it's a fairly safe lift in the sense that the weight is already on the ground so you can't really drop it on yourself. Um, And all you really have to do is pick it up. And if you fail, the result is you don't pick it up. Um, So it stays on the ground. And, you know, you might tweak a muscle or, you know, there might be an injury as a result of trying to do that. But realistically, at no point is that weight ever going to crush you. Um, There's no risk of... Of dying from that deadlift bar jumping up off the ground, and smacking in the head.
2: Yeah, and um, I like to call the bench press the guillotine. Yeah, because yeah, if you fail and there's no one help, there's a good chance it can just crash onto your neck. Yeah. Um, and I know there was a there was a like a late teens dude that died bench yeah. pressing at one of the YMCA's in Brisbane a couple of years ago, I think. Um, yeah. I've seen guys have, I think, Rob once dropped 120 on his chest. It slipped yeah. out of his hands and just smacked my out onto him. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, if done poorly, you can have some pretty devastating yeah. Injury arm results.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, the injuries resulting from, um, you know, bench press tend to be uh, bicep or pec tears. You know, they could be uh, even spinal injuries potentially. You know, there are... Mm-hmm. Tinsen do he broke his arm. Yeah, his upper arm snapped. I think he already had, he already micro had um, stress. Yeah, yeah, micro yeah fractures okay. and it just went. Um, there's a dude named Sweet Burns. He's a, a quite a famous powerlifting coach over in the states who literally broke his back benching. <laughs> um, so it, you know, it it can do a lot of damage. And then once again, you know, if you drop this barbell on your fucking head or your neck, um, it it's high risk. You know, mm, there's, there's
2: no easy way to get out of. it. A- <laughs> Like if you fail a, um, a bench, there's not really an easy way to get out from it. Yeah. Um, unless you do like the easiest way is probably unless, if you don't have rails on the sides, the roll of shame. Yes. Um, you it roll it down your body, and slowly get it down and look like a goofball in front of everyone.
1: Uh, yes. That's normal. Yes. Yeah, so I always get out of it. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, there is a significant amount of technique associated with the squat and the deadlift. Uh, I never say that they're not complicated lifts. Uh, But when it comes to the bench press, just because of the added risk, the fact that you are using some of the smallest muscle groups in your body, um, you know, the muscle groups that surround the shoulder, an extremely unstable joint, the muscle groups on your upper arm, um, you know, your chest and upper back, these are all, you know, small and intricate muscles. They're not large muscles like the quads and the hamstrings. Uh, They're not, you know, extremely dense like the glutes um you know you're basically relying on these smaller uh i guess more fine motor sort of muscles uh to do a lot of the work and you know when you think about it from that perspective it it truly makes it uh almost beyond belief that there there there's a guy out there that is on the way to bench pressing 800 pounds with absolutely no equipment other than maybe some wrist wraps you know um so When we look at uh, the bench press as a whole, it is like every other lift, but, um, you know, especially with having that amount of weight hovering over your head, uh, there is a huge mental aspect to this lift. Um, You are literally holding a huge amount of weight in your hands. Um, And if you are a powerlifter, every time you go for a 1RM or every time you compete, you are holding the most weight you have ever held in your hands. Um, So that might not, it might not be a huge amount on the bar, you know, for, um, you know, for a beginner, it might be be less than 100 kilos but if they've never lifted any more than that before in their life it's going to feel pretty fucking heavy um so it is uh it is an interesting test um there are a lot of people out there that um probably don't think the bench press is that important um and i'd say in the grand scheme of things it probably isn't um, I was watching a video the other day and I think I've said this before a couple of times is there aren't a lot of situations where the bench press has a lot of carryover to the rest of your life. Um, there aren't, from what I can think of, any situations where you're going to be lying down on your back and you're going to have to push something off you. Um, the only situation uh, we've talked about it before is when Batman, yeah, Batman is trapped under the, trapped, fire, log. Trapped under yeah. the fire log and Buddy Alfred's telling him, You can't get it up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it's um, the first topic that I cover in this article is why would you want to bench press? Um, You know, it's been used by a number of different athletes. uh, Commonly, the you know uh, the NFL, one of the main tests overseas for a lot of uh, football teams in the states is. a rep test for a 220 pound bench so 100 kilo bench for as many reps as you can possibly do um, and that is used to assess upper body power upper body strength you know explosive drive um, and whether or not you agree with that as the test that's what it is so if you wanted to pass that test or do well you're going to have to bench press um you know another one is bodybuilders have used it for an extremely long time to build a big and well-defined chest Um, So, you know, some of the prime movers in the bench press are uh, the pecs, the lats, the triceps. Um, If you want to get really big fucking arms and a really big chest and shoulders, uh, heavy bench press is one of the best ways to do it. Um, So if you're a bodybuilder and you're not bench pressing, um, you're probably missing out on a significant and quite important way to build those muscle groups. Um, And then obviously there is powerlifting. Uh, Powerlifters have to bench press because it's one of the events. Um, They can't really get around it. Um, There are even bench press only meets. You know, if you don't want to do the squat and the deadlift because you just hate leg day that much, um, you can just bench press if you'd like. Um, And there have been some fairly uh, incredible bench press only athletes out there. I know Julius Maddox, the guy that is going to uh, try for 800-pound bench press, he only competes in bench press as far as I'm aware. Um, I know he does squat and deadlift, but I don't think he competes at it. Um, yeah. So why, you know, if you're not one of these people, you know, why would you, why would you even bother? Um, I did say, you know, if there's, I've given a few examples in there, um, but I also mentioned that, um, it's an, it is an interesting test of upper body strength. There aren't a lot of, um, aren't a lot of other situations where you can test the strength of almost purely your upper body, um, you know, when you're doing Olympic lifts, you know, things like the clean and jerk and the snatch, the upper body is uh, very involved, um, but a lot of the power comes from the lower body, comes from that full-body drive, comes from excellent technique. Um, so the bench press is, I guess, just one of those really unique lifts where it doesn't doesn't have a real-world application as far as I'm aware, um, but people have you know clung on uh you know they've grabbed onto it and they love it because i don't know maybe they get to lie down at the gym <laughs> um, yeah, i guess it's one of those movements
2: that everyone seems to do whether they have a reason to really or not because mm. um, i think at the end of the day it is a fun lift um yeah and there also and it also just has built a place like as a generic gym bro lift as well yeah um, so whether you've got a reason to or not people will tend to gravitate towards it because it's just like you know how much do you bench bro yeah um, which i think you it's the only question it's the only one that matters yeah. to me yeah
1: yeah i've <laughs> been asked that walking through the shops <laughs> just by some random dude <laughs> yeah so it's um it is a fairly common question um you know it's relatively unnecessary i mean unless you're a powerlifter or yeah unless you are a powerlifter it doesn't really matter what the number on the bar is realistically um but You know, that's not to say that there aren't some very strong men and women out there that have decided to pursue this particular lift as, you know, pretty much the one thing they want to be excellent at. Um, Like I said before, Julius Maddox, he currently holds the world record at 770 pounds raw. And I also talk about uh, some of the best bench pressers in the world who are female athletes. Um, You know, I talk about Mariana Gasparian, who uh, is argued by Elite FTS to be the strongest female powerlifter of all time, Um, and she has benched uh, fairly significant weight. And then there is uh, Heather Connor, another just an example of a a female powerlifter. She only weighs about 47 kilos, and she can bench press over 70 kilos, which is, you know, one and a half times her body weight, um, which is fairly impressive for anyone. You know, man or woman, uh, but for somebody that weighs less than a fifty kilo plate to be able to do that is is quite impressive. So it's certainly not just a, a male thing. Uh, it's you know, you when I think about the bench press, it's quite easy to picture you know some uh, massive mm. roided out dude in the gym, you know, with tiny little legs <laughs> just pumping away. Uh, but some of the some of the most impressive benches in the world have been done by women, for one, and people who do not look like your average meathead. You know, the bench press has a highly technical aspect to it that means you know, with the right leverage, the right groove, the right technique, you can lift a significant amount of weight without ever having to look like Arnold and his prime. Yeah, um, yeah so I, um, I also talk about, uh, if you ever have any doubts about the importance of the bench press, Um, I, and this is mainly from a powerlifting perspective. Um, one of my main points here is that my experience with the Australian powerlifting community, and although I haven't competed, I've been to more than my fair share of meets by now. Um, and it seems like the bench press is by far the most neglected lift, especially in raw powerlifting at the moment. Um, it seems like people view it as... Um, as something they have to do but not necessarily something that is going to help them win. Um, it is quite easy to adopt the perspective that if you can squat and be- uh, squat and deadlift over 200 kilos each, you know, what you bench doesn't really matter. It's not going to go very far in helping your total. Um, however, if everybody is chasing a big squat or a big deadlift, then chances are a big bench press is what's going to set you apart from everyone else. You know, it is, um, it is not easy, but it's fairly, um, it's fairly common to make consistent progress in the squat and the deadlift. You know, you can, the, your leg muscles can handle a lot of weight. Um, however, to be able to put on a shitload of weight on your bench press is difficult. It does take a lot of time. It takes a, a shitload of practice. Um, It really takes a dedication to nailing the right technique and the right groove for you. Um, And if you can do that, then you will put yourself head and shoulders above anyone else in your weight class. Because if your weight class, say, you know, my weight class is 105 kilo at the moment, and if everybody in that weight class is squatting 200 kilos and deadlifting around 250, but not many of them can bench over 130 kilos, 150 kilo bench is going to put you 20 kilos in the lead by halfway through the day. So from a purely sport, you know, orientated perspective, it can give you an enormous advantage that you wouldn't otherwise have. So, you know, if you are one of those powerlifters that thinks that the best way to win is to just get a massive squat and a massive deadlift and then just let the bench sort of settle on the top, I would urge you to... To rethink that because a big bench is, um, yeah, is a great way to to win a meet like that.
2: Yeah, and just through observation, I've seen there's quite a few people that are have really good uh, lower body orientated numbers like squat and deadlift, but then they've got a bench that is well seems well and truly behind. Mm. Um, but there's very few people that are the opposite way where they've got a really good bench. Um, like yeah. I think I know one person like that. Yeah. Whereas the other way, it's they're all everywhere.
1: Yeah, and I say in this, you know, a 200-kilo squat and a 250-kilo deadlift for most men is, is generally only a matter of time. You know, if you get in the gym and you start consistently lifting weights um, and you decide you want to be a powerlifter it's almost inevitable that you will squat 200 kilos. Like it's far more achievable than I think most people realize. Um, the same with probably a 250 kilo deadlift, you know, this might seem like an absolutely outrageous number to a lot of people, but um, but enough time pulling, you know, give yourself five years, I guarantee you pull 250 kilos. That's, a, that's fairly common in men's powerlifting. Um, what is not common is a 200 plus kilo bench. Um, and This is achievable. You know, it's been done time and time again. There are a lot of people out there with a 500-pound bench. uh, That's 227 kilos. And then there's a lot of people out there now with a 600-pound bench. Um, I'm certainly not saying to succeed or, you know, be a relatively successful powerlifter. You do need to bench 600 pounds because that is, uh, you know, almost considered breaking point for most people. Um, there aren't a lot of people out there that can get a you know higher than a 600 pound bench, but 500 pounds and in the ballpark of that 200 kilos is quite achievable um, if you're willing to dedicate maybe a little bit more time than what you might have to put onto your squat and deadlift. So, um, and a 200 kilo bench is going to set you apart from pretty much everyone else in your weight class. I would say you know unless you're in the super heavyweight class, a 200 kilo bench is is huge. So. Mm-hmm it definitely goes a very, very long way in getting you, you know, say an elite level total or just helping you win meets if that's something that you're after. What order are they in at meets the squat lifts? bench deadlift? Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, after I talk about why you should be benching, um, I think I finish off with, um, you know, being able to move that amount of weight or, you know, a significant amount of weight in the bench um, with the added risk of injury or even death from being crushed by the bar, it's fucking exhilarating. So, you you probably won't get that feeling from a lot of other lifts. Uh, the deadlift, it might feel good to lift a lot of weight up off the ground, but there is not a lot of risk of your life ending. Um, you know, add in that factor. Maybe it's just me, and I'm a little bit crazy. But you know, you add in the factor that you're holding that weight above your head, and it it is um, it. Is pretty impressive. It's uh, one of the lifts that you're not going to get that feeling from a lot of other places unless, you know, you can snatch or clean and jerk huge amounts of weight as well. Mm.
2: Yeah, so the most thrilling part for me is where you've started to bring it down and it's right at that point just before you touch your chest Yeah. and you're like this is going to either like collapse into my chest or (laughs) I'm going to get this back up and you don't even know. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, it feels really heavy and you actually start pressing like I'm actually really capable of doing this. Mm. But you know, when something's really heavy, it's going to feel really heavy no matter how strong you are. Oh, yeah. So it's like that, you know, that beautiful point of grace where it's like, yeah. this could be it. This yeah, could I be think
1: someone asked Julius Maddox, like, oh, now that you've been training for so long, how like, does 500 pounds still feel like 500 pounds? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, it's still fucking heavy. Yeah. <laughs> like still 500 pounds in your hands. Like, mm-hmm. the difference between that and 770 probably doesn't feel like all that much. Yeah, you know, it's just about mastering that technique that, yeah. and you know developing that neural connection i think with bench it's just because you can't get out of the way like
3: <laughs> any other li- ollie lifts and uh, you can yeah. qu- pretty quickly get out of the way the
1: bench you're just stuck there it's like you're, you're, stuck. <laughs> you're chained to the bench <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah pinned there by yeah. that weight sitting above your head um all right so the next thing i talk about is what's doing the work um now i this article is long, right? There's no way we're going to get through in detail um, everything that I've included in here. Okay. And basically I, I did my best to summarise, you know, years of videos and and reading books and stuff that I've done over the past couple of years. Um, even just to write this article, I read an entire book on bench pressing um, and then did my best to summarise what I believe, you know, he was, uh, you know, talking about. So, Um, you know, I talk about for the, for the bench press, I break it down into, um, sort of three stages, um, the setup, the descent and the press. So if you can picture a bench press and most people don't look this far into any lift, um, and why would you, um, unless you're a coach, you probably don't give a fuck about, you know, what the perfect setup is going to look like, or what the difference between lowering the bar and raising the bar is, apart from the fact that if you don't do one, you've failed. Um, so, you know, I did break it down into those three parts, but, my my emphasis for doing that was to explain that the bench press is a full body lift. Um, it's not just upper body. Uh, when done correctly, uh, especially in a powerlifting situation, there is a huge amount of lower body involvement. Um, and if you don't use your lower body in the bench press, you are missing out on enormous amounts of potential to lift huge weights. Right. Um, so I, you know, I talk about during the setup. You know, you want to basically get tight lower body. Um, I'm not going to go into every single muscle group. If you want to know about that, you can just read the article. Um, Plus, when we talk about something being a full body lift, I shouldn't have to go into all the muscle groups because it's all of them. (laughs) It's your whole body. (laughs) Everything should be involved, right? How many muscles in the body? (laughs) A million. Ten million. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So um, when we look at, uh, say, you know, the setup, we're talking about everything from You know, sitting back on the bench, lying down, gripping the bar until you have the bar sitting out over your chest. Um, At that point, I'd consider the setup complete. There's a lot going on there, but it's primarily um, a lot of glute involvement, quads, um, hips uh, should be extremely involved. And then you should have a significant amount of lat involvement um, and upper back tightness. Just holding the bar there should be stabilized primarily by your, your lats and your upper back. Um, so that should give you a general idea of what's going on in the setup. Um, for the descent, it's mainly about stabilizing the bar. As the bar gets heavier and heavier, um, you know, as you get stronger and stronger, uh, we're, we're trying to just control this huge amount of weight and make sure that it comes down at the right point to give you the best amount of leverage to push it back up again. And um, that's primarily done with the lats, the biceps, the forearms, um, a little bit of the shoulders, um, everything... In that lowering phase is just about trying to hit the right groove, you know, because if you miss it, it just makes it that much harder. Um, And then uh, for the press, these are the common ones that people would associate with the bench press. Um, You know, you've got your triceps. Uh, your delts, you have a little bit of lat involvement as well off the chest, um, and then you have your pecs as well. So um, you know all those muscles that you would traditionally think that you're building by doing bench press. Uh, that's generally done during the pressing part of the the lift. Um, if you know if this is done correctly, uh, done as a power lift, um, you will get involvement from the rest of your body. Most of it will be isometric involvement. So you know it's static. You're not experiencing uh, a full contraction. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not involved. Um, you know, Dan and I have talked multiple times about how sore our knees get after a bench press session, purely because of how much force is going through the knee joint. Um, you know, you've, you're, you're pushing down through your legs so hard through the entire set. And then while that's happening, you've also, you're also trying to control probably a significant amount of weight. And a lot of that force is traveling down in, you know, through your knees. So. Um, there is a lot of muscles involved um, and this is why uh, you will have more success as a bench press athlete if you are fully developed over your entire body. So um, a bench press athlete with low uh, or you know less muscle development on their lower body is not going to be as successful as one that can squat big. So if you are somebody that likes to bench press, um, don't squat, uh, don't Skip leg day squits. Should, yeah, should we game for that? Yeah. Get me, get me, get me, That's so skipping squatting. That's yeah. Uh, don't skip leg day because big legs will help you bench more weight. Um if you are more of like a I guess a powerlifting purist and you just fucking hate bicep curls or something, um, big biceps give you a huge amount of control over Um, a heavy barbell when you're doing bench press. Um, In fact, more mass on your upper arms is going to give you the ability to press more weight. Uh, There is literally no such thing as a huge bench presser that does not have big arms. Um, All of them do just by default. So um, if you want to bench press big weight, you should put some time and effort into developing your upper arms. Um, That's, and I mean, that's just basically a look at... um, You know not just seeing the bench press as uh, a triceps and pec sort of builder Um, this lift has the ability to contribute to developing a lot of your body um, and can be used in combination with a squat and deadlift to build quite a big physique that's why when done properly bodybuilders can get a shitload of um you know shitload out of this lift as well
2: yeah, a lot of people will be surprised, I think, by how important the rest of the muscles are in the body are because, yeah, like you said, people probably think of it just as, like, chest and tries, Yeah, um, which is why it's a staple for chest and tries days. Um, but, yeah, something like the lats. If you've never heard it mentioned before by someone that's familiar with, you know, the intricacies of bench pressing, someone may hear that the lats are important
1: for a bench press and go,
2: how? That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, um, yeah I mean, if we just look at the function of the lat quickly, Um, The lats job is to bring the elbow in line with the body. So as the elbow drops down past the midline of the body, it can actually play a role in bringing it back up. So right at the bottom of the press, uh, you are bringing your elbows down a little bit lower than the midline of the body. And with strong, powerful lats, with good neural connection to that muscle group, they can play a part in driving the, the weight off the chest and building momentum that allows you to continue to drive it through the lockout. Um, so that muscle group, which, yeah, you go, oh, how can my back muscles help me? Um, because they come around to the front of your arm and they insert in the front of the shoulder. They can actually help with that particular part of the movement. Um, so the next part of the article, I give a beginner's guide to technique. Um, the beginner's guide is probably a little bit misleading. Uh, there is a fair bit of detail. And once again, it is broken down into um those three parts, the setup, the descent, and then the press. Um, I think I even break the press down into um, not only the press and but also the lockout, so off the chest and then also locking the bar out. Um, I guess as a coach, it is important to look at a lift and break it down into whatever moving parts that you need to so that you can effectively help somebody train it. As an athlete, sometimes it can be a little bit of a distraction to think about a lift in so many different moving parts. Realistically, um, to keep it very simple, the bench press is the act of lowering a bar down onto your chest and then pushing it back up again. Easy, yeah. It's just do it. And to break it down into more than that, um, you know, you can get caught up thinking about a whole bunch of different things. Um, and when we look at Uh, what we talked about yesterday, you know, uh, general adaptation syndrome or in our previous podcast, we know that the stress response diminishes our ability to think about different things. So if you're trying to lift the most weight that you've ever lifted in your entire life and also think about the intricacies of the setup, the descent, and then the press, you're going to fail. You don't have time to worry about all that stuff. Um, So my advice to athletes would be, Uh, just gain a general understanding of whatever works best for you. So we know um, as part of bench practice technique that we need to have uh, extreme lower body tightness. So that's just a general part of the setup. We want to find a way to get as tight as possible in the lower body. Um, If you can find a way to do that, that involves your ankles wrapped around the back of your head, go right ahead. It might not fly in a lot of federations, but... You know, and a lot of people might call you a fucking idiot for doing it. Probably use your feet a little bit. You might be able to, to yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what I'm saying is like, um, you know, there might be endless arguments online about whether you should tuck your feet uh, or whether you should have your feet out and splayed, whether they should be forward facing or they should be on a 45 degree angle, whether you should have the heels up or whether the heels should be in in full contact with the ground. Um, I think my first point with this is do. First of all, you have to go with whatever your federation says. If you're going to compete in the bench press and your federation says your heels have to be on the ground, you have to find a way to do it with your heels on the ground. right? If they don't, then lucky for you, you can tuck your feet even further. Um, But you know, different people have different uh, perspectives on this. Um, I know Elite FTS and a lot of the coaches that work with Dave Tate, they prefer a tucked foot position. Louis Simmons is an advocate of the feet splayed. Uh, he says that you can't get any leg drive from the tucked feet position, uh, whereas you but you can get maximum tightness. Um, and then he argues you can get maximum leg drive from the feet splayed position, but it's harder to achieve tightness. Um, so depending on who your coach is, they might have a different way of doing it. But just know that at the end of the day, what we are trying to achieve is a lot of tension in the lower body. Um, basically, A good guide is if you can move if somebody can move your knees once you're set up to bench press you're not tight enough you need to find a way to get tighter um the next thing i talked about is the upper back um a guide for that is your scaps need to be as um retracted and depressed as possible um and so yeah, poor like cats. that one. Poor, <laughs> poor scalps, poor scalps. Um and basically that just means that they need to be as far in and down your back as they possibly can be. Uh cue for this one that has been used for a while is trying to think about tuck your scaps into your opposite back pockets on your pants. Um, but realistically we're just trying to, you know, if you imagine they're sitting like this on your back, we're just trying to bring them down and in. Um The reason for that is it just gives you the best and safest shoulder position for the bench press. Um, Ideally, we're not trying to pin our scaps in a poor position against the bench press and then rotate our shoulder against it, resulting in an impingement or dislocation or something. So um, yeah, we just want those scaps as depressed and retracted as we possibly can get them. Um, And then from there, uh, the rest of it is kind of up to you. If you can maintain tension, unrack the bar, and lower it to your chest and press it again. Um, the intricacies of the technique don't really matter. You know, some people find a lot of success from pulling the bar apart or, you know, pretending like they're pulling the bar apart. Some people get a lot of success from thinking about their bending the bar. Uh, somebody, Some people find it easier to think about elbow position. Uh, some people have, you know, think about arcing it down onto their belly. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, it's, you know, almost endless, the different variations of technique you can get for the bench press, but the most important things here, are uh, tension and then for the press a speed. So, uh, when we think about trying to press something or lift any kind of weight, we need to lift it as fast as we possibly can. So step one, maintain fucking full body tension. Step two, press it as fast as you possibly can all the way through the lockout. Um, And if you want more information on technique for bench press, you can go and read the article. There's fucking like 10 paragraphs on it.
2: Yeah, I know just quickly for me with the scap retraction, um, I found once I started doing it properly, when we were doing floor press, I would notice that my upper back actually felt like flat and like a platform um, as opposed to before I used to do it, retract them properly. My shoulder blades would dig into the floor a lot, yeah. and I would always have sore scaps after a floor press day. But now, when S- I do, because it fucking hurts, yeah. But now, <laughs> so now, when I do it, I can you know have um, floor press however much and I never get sore scaps because my yeah. scaps are retracted properly and it's nice and flat.
3: But yeah, floor press was probably the best way that I learned that because I have always had bad posture and kind of weird. Um, and it was that feedback on the floor. Mm. Like I thought I was doing it, but then when I laid on the floor, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing it. Yeah, compared it to actually... the
2: cushiony pads yeah. <laughs> are different from like the solid wood mm. floor, so yeah.
3: And then when I thought about tucking them into your back pocket, that's when yeah. I on the floor I could
1: feel that they were no longer the triangles that were digging in yeah. and supporting my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a couple of resources that I would direct people to if they are having issues with their bench press setup. Um, The first one that I can think of right now is quite recent. Um, It is an Elite FTS video uh, done by Sweet Burns. He is an excellent powerlifting coach. Um, And he has done a So You Think You Can Bench series. It's like, I don't know, three videos long. Uh, They're like 10 minutes each or something. They're on YouTube. They're free to watch. Um, And they just go through a bench press setup that he uh, claims is the safest and best possible way to set up for the bench to lower the risk of injury and move uh, heavy weight. Um, Swede Burns has bench pressed 500 pounds consistently for, I think he said about 20 years now. Um, to be able to do that means that he must be fucking onto something. Um, there is a great video by Australian Strength Coach uh, on bench press setup. Um, Thinking back to when I watched that video, the setups that Swede Burns and Australian Strength Coach have are quite similar. They're quite similar setups. So you're not going to find too much uh, difference in in the technique for either one of them. Um, And then, you know, there's an entire book by Josh Bryant called The Science of Bench Press. Um, He has trained some of the strongest bench presses in the world, including Julius Maddox at one point. he was the first, oh, sorry, the youngest person to ever bench over six hundred pounds, um, and he is a huge advocate of what's called um, compensatory acceleration training, uh, or CAT. And that, you know, in simpler terms, just means move the bar as fast as you possibly can. So, uh, putting together, you know, a couple of different coaches' perspectives on the setup and the lift, we just we can sort of piece together this. Idea that if you can get your lower body as tight as possible, your upper back as tight as possible, and then you can press the bar as fast as possible, you will become a great bench presser. Um, And if you can find a way that works for you that you can do consistently, time and time again, um, you know, replicate it every single time that you're in the gym bench pressing, uh, you will inevitably bench really big weights. Uh, The next topic that I get into is to arch or not to arch. Um, This this is. Gets Marshall a route up. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I did go into a fair bit of detail on this too. Uh, arching is pretty controversial. Yeah, there's fucking a lot of paragraphs I watched a thing,
3: I think this morning it popped up, and I think it was Invictus Games, and the bench press, they had the legs taped or uh, Velcro to a that's box? because they're uh, is that they're yeah is that because of the disabilities yes. yeah yeah because they them? can't use yeah the legs, yeah yeah yeah. I was,
1: yeah that's what I thought <laughs> yeah so Invictus Games it's a their powerlifting event is bench press only yeah um and bec- and that's because not all the athletes obviously the ones in wheelchairs can't squat mm. so they um. I guess they must Velcro everyone's legs up.
3: Yeah, it was fair playing to feel. Hmm. Yeah. Which just yeah. turns oh, it into more of a floor press. You know? Yeah.
1: it was, Yeah, it looked exactly
3: like a floor press.
1: Um, yeah. So basically I go into arching on the bench press to try and sort of dispel um, whatever misinformation there is out there on on whether you should do it or not. Um, basically I divide it up into the two different kinds of arches that you can do with your spine. Um Basically, there's a difference between upper spine arching on lower spine arch. So thoracic arch, which is your upper spine, and the thoracic arch occurs naturally when you retract and depress your scaps. So that thing that I talked about before, uh, which is essential for a safe and strong bench press, the uh, retracted and depressed scaps, um, that has to happen, which means you must try and achieve a thoracic arch. If you don't arch the thoracic, you... Are risking injury to your shoulders, you're not creating a stable platform for good force transfer into the bench, uh, you're basically throwing away huge numbers by doing that and potentially causing huge amounts of damage to your shoulder joint, your uh, upper arm, your pec. Um, however, the the real controversy seems to surround the lumbar arch. Um, you've probably seen, if you've seen anybody, any powerlifter bench on Instagram or something, these, uh, these people... Will just contort themselves into a pretzel basically um, and have this enormous lumbar arch. Um, this is not necessarily a good thing. A significant lumbar arch can actually uh, put a huge amount of pressure on the lower back. Um, it can result in poor force transfer from the lower body to the upper body. Um, it can create uh, you know, a tilt in the hips that doesn't allow for a good lower body tension. Um, some people... And the reason people do this is to reduce range of movement. Um, So, you know, the idea there is the smaller the range of movement, the more weight you can lift uh, because it's less, you know, less distance to move it over, which the physics there are sound. Um, However, there is a risk associated with this. So, you are potentially risking injury with this enormous lumbar arch. Um, You might be risking an inability to transfer force as effectively. Um, So you might be losing out on certain things like stretch reflex. You might not get as much stretch reflex from a smaller range of movement, which means you might run the risk of uh, a sticking point halfway up where you normally would be able to blow straight through it because you get more speed off the chest. Um, So these are all things that you need to take into account in your training. If you are a person that finds that they can move more weight than ever before with a huge lumbar arch, then in competition sure i'm saying you know i would recommend that you try it um and who gives a fuck what everyone on the internet says uh because if it's within the rules of your federation then go ahead and bench the most you possibly can doing that um just be aware that you are potentially risking your shoulders more than you would um in a a different position, you're probably risking your lower back. You're probably losing out on um, force transfer. Um, If you can develop a a bench press with a minimal lumbar arch uh, with a good range of movement that allows for a significant amount of stretch reflex, a lot of power through the legs... Um, then you are probably going to be able to lift more over time. So it's one of those trade-offs is, you know, right now maybe the lumbar arch is the best way for you to do it, but maybe you need to change the way you train so in five to ten years you don't have a blown-out shoulder and you can bench more than you ever did before. Um, It's a risk versus reward thing. Um, I don't like to train people with a significant lumbar arch. I think that it is... Uh, not worth the trade-off um, but there are people out there that love it there's a lot of successful female benches that can achieve a lot more flexibility through their lower back um, and they are able to lift a significant amount of weight through quite a small range of movement um, plus if i could bench press and the range of movement was just one inch i probably would <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's just something you have to decide for yourself as an athlete or your coach might decide for you um But just know that the more lumbar arch, the less safe it is, the less force transfer you're potentially getting. And, um, you know, the more risk you might be putting your shoulders at due to potentially a wider grip. You know, I haven't seen many people with a huge lumbar arch and a close grip bench press. So, um, yeah, that's just that part of that compromise.
3: So what about no arch?
1: Oh, flat back bench press. Yeah. Um, well, I see so many people talk about uh, you know, it's not real bench press unless it's flat back. Um, like I said right at the start of this whole arch discussion, if you are retracting and depressing your scaps, you are arching your thoracic spine. So if you're retracting and depressing your scaps and then you claim you have a flat batch flat bat flat back bench press. I not say it no, <laughs> <you, yeah. laughs> If you are doing the right thing with your upper back and getting your scaps in the right position. And then you claim to have a flat back when you bench press, you are lying. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have a completely flat lumbar spine, like you probably have when you floor press, it's fine. You know, if that works for you, go ham. Um, but don't do it with your thoracic spine because it's just risking the shoulder joint. Um, all right. I move on to um, God, leg drive, and other imaginary concepts. My favorite title. Yeah. <laughs> um, And the reason why I I put this one in there is leg drive is the other um, sort of controversial topic when it comes to bench pressing. Um, The main point I want to address here is that people think that there is a magical force that comes from the ground into their legs when they kick their feet, when they bench press, that somehow makes its way into the bar and helps the bar lift up off your chest. It's
3: a spiritual thing, hmm. and yeah, this is not this is not
1: true. <laughs> <laughs> um, that the concept of leg drive as this thing that you turn off and on is a lie. Um, I've seen diagrams on Instagram that some of my favorite you know things that pop up on Instagram are these like force you know force pictures. <laughs> It's like Star Wars, man, like where, you know, you've got this person and they've got like an arch on the bench press. It's like a pretty significant arch. And then s- there's this force that is coming from the feet somehow into the arms and helping <laughs> the bar. If you,
2: draw it, if you draw it and illustrate it, it makes
3: it sense. It must be true. If it's, on, yeah. if it's
1: on Instagram, it's true. Yeah. And, I mean, they claim that like if you're pushing down, then there must be an opposite reaction force. Ah, um, physics. Oh, yes. <laughs> but this is not what's happening. This is not what leg drive actually is. Um, the concept of leg drive and leg drive itself is kind of a misleading way to, to I guess, thing to call it um, because it is not a... It's not a push. You know, the, your legs are not contributing to your push. What you're doing is you are positioning your feet in a way where you can generate maximum isometric tension through your lower body. So your hips are completely engaged. Your glutes are on. Your quads are tight. Um, you know, you are driving your heels down towards or into the ground, you're pushing your toes outwards. And what this is doing is creating minimal movement, it's locking you onto the bench press. And that means when that bar comes down, the force that is deposited into your body, it's um, elastic potential energy, it has nowhere to go. It's not transferring out through wobbly knees, it's not going out through these floppy feet on the ground. Um, It's all stored in your body as much as possible to be then pushed back into the bar. So any part of that chain that's connecting you to the ground that is loose or not as tight as it possibly can is an area where you could experience what's known as force leakage, which means you have less chance of putting that force back into the bar. Um, It's not a magical force that, you know, appears when you drive your heels down and suddenly your hips somehow contribute to kicking the bar up, you know, it just doesn't happen like that. So if you get, if you do see something on Instagram that says that like kicking your legs into the ground when you try to bench press is going to help you lift more weight, it's not, That's, that's a lie. I would love a placebo effect. <laughs>
2: I would love to know the person that illustrated these like this image of the magical force and like they must have believed in it so strongly that they were like, I'm gonna make it draw,
3: draw a picture of this <laughs> to help others understand what I know. This physics. Yeah. This mystical physics. I've I've created a new yeah. law. <laughs> I'm
2: gonna um draw an image. But it's going to be of a Jedi moving like a weight. And, like this, and means- how?
3: Yeah, I need to. I need to know how the Force
1: works, yeah. with Jedi. So I need a
3: picture. Yeah, yeah where this Force comes from yeah. the feet? Yeah, <laughs> from the
1: um, yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to go into leg drive any more than that because we are right in the end of this sort of podcast. Um, If you do want more information, once again, on my thoughts on the concept of leg drive, just read the article. I do go into a lot of detail there. The next topic is common sticking points. Um, Look, the most common sticking point in the bench press is off the chest. Um, And I'm not going to speak any more about sticking points because the next topic after that is uh, compensatory acceleration training or, you know, the need for speed in Uh, lifting so the faster you move a weight the easier it is to lift and the less likely you are to experience a sticking point because you are you know giving that bar momentum and if the bar has momentum it is going to carry through a sticking point where you would normally have to grind Um, so I would say stop what you know if you are concerned about your sticking points if you do find that you experience a sticking point somewhere on the bench press stop focusing on that particular thing and start focusing on just lifting faster bench press everything faster Uh, more speed is going to remove your sticking points completely Uh, so don't worry too much about sticking points I'd say it's worth a read about common ones and potentially how to deal with them Um, however more than likely it is just because you are lifting the weight too slow Uh, so that does cover off on the next part of the article um, compensatory acceleration training Uh, this is something we have talked about a fair bit Um, and it can be trained with bands, it can be trained with chains, um, or it can be just trained with weight on the bar. Um, The main thing that you want to get out of these training sessions is to move the bar quickly. Um, I have talked about this concept quite a bit before, um, but there is absolutely no way that you can move a maximal weight slowly. You have to move it as fast as possible. There's just no other way. If you don't move it as fast as you possibly can, it will stop. And that's where you'll experience a sticking point. Um, The best way to train to move a maximal weight as fast as possible is to train using sub-maximal weights as fast as possible. Um, A good guide for cat training uh, is 70% of your max, um, you know, for minimal rep sets. So, you know, for the deadlift, we talk about uh, single reps. Um, For the squat, you know, it's usually two to three reps per set. For the bench, we're usually looking about three reps. Um, The reason for that is I think Louis Simmons did the math. Um, He reckons that three fast reps of a submaximal weight will equal similar to the amount of time that one maximal weight rep should take. So you're still working the same amount of time under tension. Uh, But basically, uh, this is a concept that's done, you know, it was invented by a guy, well, supposedly uh, named by a guy, um, Dr. Fred Hatfield. Um, He's also been known as Dr. Squat. Um, this guy squatted a thousand pounds in competition. Um, and he came up with this term compensatory acceleration training, which basically describes how to train using sub-maximal weights as fast as you possibly can. Um, a version of this idea has been adopted by Louis Simmons. Um, he does a lot of Uh, training with bands and chains, uh, which is also known as accommodating resistance training. Um, And the idea behind bands and chains is that it gets heavier the further away from the ground it is, uh, which means that you have to keep pushing as hard as you can um, throughout the entirety of the lift, which should train you to move the bar as fast as you possibly can. Um, Dave Tate is a big fan of compensatory acceleration training. He trains a lot of speed. Um, and then Josh Bryant, uh, the guy I was talking about before, he's trained some of the best bench pressers in the world. Um, basically for him, speed is the name of the game. You pretty much want to spend most of your, tra- most of your time in training uh, trying to develop bar speed. Um, you know, these, all of these methodologies are not new, but there are a lot of movements that have come out of this type of training, uh, one of them being um, that fucking thing you attach to the bar. Uh, velocity-based oh. training, um, which is VBT is uh, like a little computer system that you put a, a wire that attaches to your barbell and it actually tells you how fast you are moving the bar. Um, this is just sort of like you know, a technological way of, of trying to measure something that um, you don't necessarily need to measure. Um, I know that, uh, Louis Simmons loves his numbers, but at the end of the day, if somebody is moving that bar as fast as they possibly can every time, that is what you want to get out of that training. And over time, if they train to do that, they will be be able to move the same weights faster or heavier weights, you know, faster as well. Uh, so basically what we're trying to achieve with bench press, uh, like I said a little while ago is, um... You know, if you want to think about it as simply as possible, uh, lower body tension, upper back tension, and then push the bar of your chest as fast as possible. If you can just remember those three things when it comes to training, uh, you should be able to eventually move some pretty big weight. Um, That pretty much brings me to the conclusion. Um, After, you know, at the end of that article, there are a bunch of resources that I put in there about how you can make your bench press better. Um, You know, they are mainly the stuff that I've already talked about, Bench Press the Science by Josh Bryant, Bench Press Manual by Louis Simmons, Elite FTS, the entire, um, I guess the entire website has a bunch of shit about Bench Press on there. Australian Strength Coach, uh, he has most notably um, coached the Mountain or Thor. Um, And the reason Thor took him on as a coach is Thor went to one of his training seminars in Australia once and on, on that day, I think uh, the Australian strength coach's bench press setup up that he showed him, allowed him to put, like, 20 or 30 kilos on his max bench press. And so, and after that, he just said, yeah, I want you to coach me. Um, so he's, you know, and, I mean, he's capable of lifting huge amounts of weights. Him and his powerlifting crew at the moment are moving enormous amounts of weight, not only on the bench but squats and deadlifts as well. Um, and then Mark Bell from Super Training Gym over in the States, Um he is a world-class bench press athlete. Uh, he literally invented this thing called the slingshot, which is a training tool that you can use to complement your bench press training, uh, keep your shoulders safe, um, and and maybe even overload a little bit, lift a little bit more weight than what you're used to. Um, so go on go to the article, have a read, check out those resources if you want to bench big, and then um, you know go away and spend 10 years in the gym, lift 500 pounds. Oh, is there anything for cool. you? Up?
3: Uh the only thing was on Instagram, uh I think it was Humble Humble PT so bloody loving the
1: shirts, boys. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. it. Yeah. Start a conversation
3: Lunch. around mental health. Yeah, why yeah. your
1: Friday? Start <laughs> a conversation around bench press. <laughs> <laughs> and arching and leg
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. All right. So thanks everyone that's joined live. Or if you watch us later, we appreciate that too. Uh we'll be back Monday, eight AM. Um, otherwise, enjoy your weekend. If you want to check out the other episodes, you can on Apple Music and Spotify. It's called The Hard Way, Anvil t Podcast. And we are also on YouTube. It's Anvil Training Development. Uh, we'll be doing some content shooting stuff tomorrow and recording some more podcasts with some guests. Um, so that'll be fun. We'll have those really soon, or very soon. And otherwise, we'll see everyone next week. Yeah. Thanks for Adios.
1: tuning in.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hard Way with Anvil T&D. This is all made possible by listeners like you, so thank you for your support. If you enjoyed this one, hit the like button and subscribe so you never miss a show. Make sure to visit our website, www.anviltd.com, and check out some of our articles and other podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, any positive ratings really help, or if you simply tell a friend about us, that would help us out too. If you have an opinion on something we talk about, we would love to know in the comments. Be sure to tune in for our next episode and remember, train smart, train hard.